the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You are about to listen to American Signpost, a thought that points us back to God. Miss Liberty holds high her torch to welcome the world's poor and huddled masses. Many of the poor and tired who flee here are poor and tired because they have been governed by governments that play God. When we speak of American exceptionalism, we are taking exception with the way oppressive governments oppress their people. Miss Liberty, like the Stars and Stripes, are a symbol of America when she's at her best. My hope is that many who refuse to honor the flag and thereby refuse to show respect for those who suffered, bled, and died for their right to snub the flag have not sufficiently considered the message they send by their actions. As a veteran, may I urge you to stop using your celebrity to right wrongs by wronging your fellow Americans. I am Pastor William Boylan. This is an American Signpost. Visit PastorBoylan.com to learn more about how history instructs our country's way back to God. That's PastorBoylan.com. Welcome to Signpost. Signposts has been posing one question. How can America's past shed light on her future? Join Signpost host. Pastor William Boylan and his son, author Andrew Boylan, as they visit America's foundation to understand better what's happening in the world today. Get ready to hear about America's beginnings, as you have probably never heard before. Now, let's join Signpost. Good afternoon. Welcome to Signposts. This is one of your hosts, Andrew Boylan, with my dad, Pastor William Boylan. We appreciate you tuning in today, and as always, we look forward to talking to you about our different aspects the gospel uh, lately we've been talking about prayer and we're going to continue to talk about prayer today um we have a good verse but before we get into that i just want to take a moment to invite you to um pastorboylan.com to find out more about signpost ministries um we are we are a ministry that has been uh on the radio for going on a year now um building on the back of a 25-year ministry that you've been uh, doing here at uh salem media we're on WBIX this morning. He's also on WEZE. And um, we appreciate you joining us. And we're going to begin um, and look at it at a text this morning. Right, Dad? I think you have a text with you that you wanted to, to talk about. Yes, I, uh, I thought it might be interesting. If you were listening to us last week, we looked at a text that came from the Book of Romans. The Apostle Paul wrote a text. And uh, he, he made a very clear point of the fact that we don't always know what we should pray for. But don't stop praying and really start trusting that the Lord's going to give you what he wants to hear from you. And that's what we talked about last week. And I tried to give a couple of illustrations from my own experience of how it actually works. It worked out in practice. And you don't need to know. I, I mean, when I did that, in other words, prayed and was given the words to pray, I didn't know that I was doing it. God showed me later, which is a good thing because it just shows me it's really God and it's mm. not me. Uh, I I am perplexed by certain passages of Scripture, and there's probably a lot more uh, perplexity than I'd like to admit, but, but I have studied this Bible 
uh, for a pretty long time. I started uh, seriously in 1962, so you can do the math, uh, quite a long time. But there are still certain passages that I, I really find, uh, oh, I'm not totally perplexed, but I, I'm cautious. Uh, mm. I don't think you can be too dogmatic on them. And one of them is this offer of Christ, or at least the seeming offer of Christ, uh, to put the world in our hands or put our lives in our hands. Say, you know, you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Mm. Now, that's quite a statement. That's a bold statement to make. Uh, is that true? Uh, is that what you mean for us to understand, Lord, that uh, uh, if we get a half-brained idea or a scheme, and all as long as we ask you and put the name of Jesus to it, you've, you're obliged to do it? Mm. Uh, it almost sounds like that. Uh, that doesn't make much sense uh, to me. I hope it doesn't make much sense to our audience, but, but he said it. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. That's a biblical statement. John wrote it down. Jesus said it in the upper room. So I thought maybe this uh, afternoon, as mm. we talk about prayer, uh, we might use that as a jumping off point. That, Absolutely. That, that's a, a perplexity. It's a perplexity. Well, let me read uh, the portion of John, chapter 14, if you want to take your own Bible at some point or now and look at this. Uh, I want to read beginning at verse 9 right down through uh, to verse 14. So you get a little bit of a context, but hear those words again. And Mm -hmm. can I take a minute before I even read it? Just so you are... uh, familiar if uh, or at least uh, aware if you're not familiar with what's going on at this portion of John's gospel mm-hmm. uh, Jesus has had supper with his disciples for the last time the last supper in the upper room uh, he is now giving them his final discourse this mm-hmm. is he's not going to teach them after this after this he's going to be crucified he's going to lie in a grave for three more days and then on the third day, he is going to rise. But uh, it isn't going to be so much a teaching ministry now. He is going to show himself to his disciples. They're going to be flabbergasted. Uh, the uh, uh, result of that is that after 40 days, he is then going to leave them, and he's going to go back to his Father in heaven. Mm-hmm. And what he's going to do for the disciples, who may feel they're being abandoned, is he's going to send the spirit of holiness, the spirit of God, the spirit of truth. Many different designations here for the Holy Spirit. But he's going to send the spirit back, as the Old Testament promised would happen. And now what the disciples have experienced by Christ being with them, they're now going to experience because the Holy Spirit is going to be in them. Mm. So that that's what he's getting at. But he's preparing them in the upper room before he leaves after the supper. He's preparing them to understand this. Mm. In other words, he's not. It's not going to be just experiences that they go through that they got to figure it out. You know what's going on. No, no. He prepares them so when it happens, they'll know what's happening. Right. Yeah. So that that's the context of this, uh, and it's very lengthy. Uh, in John's Gospel, it covers. Oh, I would argue almost four chapters. If you take his prayer at the end of all of this, when he prays to his father that that his disciples will get it, that they will understand, and that they will uh, they will be able to use this information. Of course, I'm using my words, not his, but that's the point. Uh, so let me read a narrow section of this uh, so you see the context and then come back to this matter of of a what looks like an open door just to pray for whatever we will and expect that if we don't get it god's got troubles he's he told us something that's not true mm. and that's what it sounds like uh, but i think it might be uh, 
helpful today if you and I, Andrew, talk about this and maybe can can fathom out what what should we understand since, uh, well, let me read the passage. Yeah. Let me read the passage. Jesus answered, and he's answering Philip, one of his uh, disciples. Uh, Philip uh, is expressing confusion. What's going on? What do you mean you're going to the Father? What, what's up? And, uh, and Jesus is answering that confused disciple. Mm. And he says to him, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been with you, uh, among you, for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How, how can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it's the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else... Believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things. He'll do greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. Mm. What does he mean? What does he mean? Does he mean that I get some harebrained scheme and I say, oh, Lord, uh, uh, I would really like, I mean, I enjoy the White Mountains, but I don't want to spend the gas money. So, Lord, I guess uh, I, I'm going to ask you if you will pick up the White Mountains and bring them to uh, Amesbury, Massachusetts, so I can just take a short little trip over and see and enjoy them. Mm. And by the way, I ask you this in Jesus' name. Now, has God not got a problem? Has he going to go up there and take Mount Washington, Mount Adams, Mount Jefferson, pick them up and put them down in Amesbury for my sake? Right. Has he put himself under obligation? Or or can I say if I wake up in the morning and Amesbury still looks like Amesbury that, uh, well, you know, so much for God in the Bible? Mm Mm-hmm. It's it's really a, it's really a very perplexing passage. If it you is. Take it that way. But this is Jesus saying this. This is not. Uh, this is not somebody who's uh, off on a tangent or or had uh, had too much to drink the night before or something. This is this is Jesus. Mm-hmm. And and it's his last words, by the way. And I, think about that for a minute. Think about that, Andrew. Mm. Uh, most people, when they get to their deathbed. There's no reason not to tell the truth, right? Right. I mean, there's not there's not a lot of a lot of pressures on them. I mean, death is not exactly uh, something you take lightly. But uh, what I mean is, you, you you got a lot of the things in life that you have to think through. You don't want to offend somebody, or you, or you want to be properly understood. But when you're in your deathbed, you might as well tell. The yeah, truth. there's yeah, there's a certain frankness that comes with that moment. Yeah, yeah. And, and Jesus told them. Uh, tomorrow night I'll be dead. Yep. Yeah. This is this is the last night. Uh, I'm going. I'm going to be arrested tonight, and uh, be before three in the afternoon comes, uh, I'm going to be dying. Right. So I'm. So take what I say in that light. Uh, this is the truth. Uh, I will do whatever you ask in my name, and uh, I'll do it so that this, my father can be glorified. So that. He can be seen for who he is. You may ask me anything. And he stresses it. He says, you may ask me for anything in my name, mm-hmm. and I will do it. 
Okay. Now, there, there is another passage that often gets woven into this one in another place that says, if two or three of you uh, agree mm. on anything, it will be done for you. Oh, yeah. So does that mean that if I have a good friend who just wants to please me and I want that mountain range to get down here to Ainsbury so that uh, maybe I could even see it from the bedroom window. Who knows? It's that high. Uh, but at least it saves me I say, a lot of gas money and a lot of time. You know, it's very convenient to have Mount Washington uh, up here just across the Merrimack. You know? mm-hmm. And then I find somebody who has their own reasons for wanting to please me. And I say, uh, will you do me a favor? I really, I really would like to, you know, God says, you know, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. Mm. Uh, so why don't I take him serious? And uh, he says to me, whatever I ask in his name, uh, he'll do it. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm asking God in the name of Christ to move the White Mountains or at least the presidential range down to uh, Massachusetts. And uh, and then I want to be sure this is this works. I want to kind of put a you know, finishing touch on this and get a guarantee. Mm. It also says if two of you do this, wow, there's no question. So will you, will you stand with me and uh, pray that the, that the White Mountains will be moved by tomorrow morning? Mm. Yeah. Now, you really, I got over a barrel. <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you put him up against his own words and all. So, yep. uh, so what are we actually talking about? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what 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 is the point of this? So let's let's begin let's begin to take this apart a little bit and see uh, what it's possible he he really meant us to understand when he made these kind of promises. Well, the the first thing I would think about is the idea that uh, it's going to be greater things than he did. Mm. Now, now greater uh, you can assume it means more spectacular or. Or, uh, you know, exercise of more of God's strength. I don't know. You could put anything you want there. Mm. But uh, to my mind, when he raised little Jarius' little daughter from the dead, that was pretty miraculous. Yes, it was. Yeah, when he, when he went up to the, the beer, that's what they call it, we're carrying a dead body of the, the widow of Nain, uh, her son, and uh, he said to the boy, get up, and he got up. That's... Uh, that's pretty, pretty powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Going around raising the dead is not an easy thing to do. No. And, and Jesus did it. And he says, but you're going to do greater than that. What, what is he really talking about? You know, greater than that. Well, if greater doesn't mean greater miracles in that sense, uh, what, if, what if he means uh, that I'm going to fan you fellows out, I'm talking to disciples. What if you guys are going to fan out and you're going to take this all over the world? Mm. What if the greater really means that you're going to involve more of the world, more people, uh, it's going to be seen, uh, these things are going to be seen or done more widely. Mm. Let, me, let me give you an illustration, which might help people on another level, but it's it's, uh, it's uh, something that's pretty much part of the American scene. But it's about the coming of Christ and the disappearance of the Christian church uh, to escape the Great Tribulation. And that's the belief of many, and, and I don't want to mock anybody's belief, but th- there's an alternative way of understanding that Great Tribulation mm. and an alternative way of understanding uh, uh, what it means to get out of it uh, without denying the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's the last thing I want to do. The Bible is absolutely true. 
But what what if the great tribulation is not really just more intense suffering that's ever been experienced by anybody ever in history, and it's just beyond be beyond bearing up under. So God just gets his people out because they they'd all deny the faith or something. They just they just can't handle it. It's beyond handling. That mm-hmm. sort of seems to me to be assumed that there's trouble. You know, we're born to trouble, and Jesus is in the world. You're going to have trouble. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So tribulation or trouble, just part of life. Mm. I suppose when we're on the other side and we're all back, and Job's back. When we sit down with Job, he he won't think that that was not pretty great tribulation. He went through. Right. You know, he lost his family, his farm, his fortune. He lost everything. Uh, yeah. And then his wife's solution was pray, pray, curse God and die. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's pretty tribu- trialsome. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of trouble. Now, what if the, the great tribulation? is actually a description of the millennium. Mm. Now, people may be scratching their heads and saying, are you, are you losing it? No, 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 no. The, the Bible itself has plenty of, of symbols in it. Numbers are often used symbolically in the Bible. But uh, the book of Revelation is really laden with symbols. In mm. fact, it tells us in the first verse it's a symbolic book. I mean, I'm not making that up. It's, uh, it's, it's in the first verse there in the Greek text that this is a book communicated through symbols. Mm. And uh, the period between the death of Christ and his ascension into heaven mm. and his return uh, is a long time. Mm-hmm. And a great symbol of a long time that's beyond not beyond calculation, but, I mean, for us human beings who may live 80, 90 years of a, if we're in good health, a thousand years seems like forever. Right. So what a great, you know, great symbol of this great time span between the time Christ leaves and comes back, mm. the millennial period. And what if the millennium is only what the Bible says it is and not what a lot of people say it is? A lot of people say the millennium is when there's, uh, peace and joy and all the uh, problems of the earth are solved and Christ is here ruling. Well, that's not actually what the text says. If anybody goes and looks it up, look it up in Revelation 20, the, there's a purpose for the millennium. Mm-hmm. And the purpose is that uh, that the nations may no longer be deceived. Mm-hmm. And the idea in the Bible is that Satan is the prince of this world and he keeps people pretty much in the dark. Yep. But now Christ has brought light into the world through his crucifixion. Mm-hmm. He is the light of the world. And he's called his disciples to be the light of the world. He says, you are the light of the world. City on a hill can't be hidden. Mm-hmm. So what if the millennium is the time from the time Christ sends the disciples forward till he wins the rest of the world, till his gospel reaches the end of the world? What if the millennium is a symbol of that long, long, long period of time between Christ's death, resurrection, and ascension to heaven, and his return from heaven. What if it's a symbol of that? And the purpose mm. of this age, we're still living in it, if that's, if I'm correct, is that w- the gospel can be heard in the world. Mm. Satan can no longer blind the mind. He can't keep those for whom Christ died in the dark. They will hear. They will receive it. And so it's not just Jews, it's Gentiles now. Mm. Any Anybody, anywhere regardless of your color, your ethnicity. It has nothing to do with race or color or, or status or money or nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the gospel can now be heard by those God's speaking to. Mm-hmm. That's what actually the text says. Uh, hmm. th- he shall reign a thousand years, and uh, 
and uh, the devil will be bound for those thousand years in this sense. Not that the devil can't do anything. He can do a lot, but he can't keep the nations in darkness. Mm. They can't see them anymore. And and then what's the purpose of the church? How does the church win the world during this great tribulation or this great millennium? Well, trouble. There's nothing more, I think there's nothing more demonstrative of God's reality is when God's people endure suffering for God's sake. Mm. I think people stop and say, well, why aren't you mad? Why aren't you cursing? Why aren't you hateful? Why aren't you got a gun? Why don't you go after it? Why do you pray for your enemies? Mm. Why do you love those who don't love you? Why do you wh- why, what would possess you to do that? Well, because I'm enduring all of that trouble for the sake of the Lord, because I want that person who hates me to love my Savior. Mm. And if I endure what they do and I don't hurt them back, maybe it'll open their eyes. Mm. Maybe they'll recognize that there's more to life. Maybe they'll be stunned. Maybe it'll it'll shock them into realization that, hey, this, this person got something I don't have. I could never do that. You know? mm. Anyway. So I and I think that the Great Tribulation right. is really the millennium. Interesting. And the purpose of the Great Tribulation is to reshape us through the endurance that we experience. Yeah. And by the way, this biblical Jesus Absolutely. endured the cross and despised the shame. And what did he do by enduring the cross? He won the world. Right. <laughs> so so and and what does the Bible What's the book of Revelation say is the purpose of the, the book of Revelation? is to reveal the tribulation mm. and the kingdom and the patient endurance. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to suggest, now I'm saying this in the light of what, I'm not off on a tangent. No, no, no. Somebody may think I am because they forgot what we were about. But, uh, but we're talking about prayer. We're talking about greatness. So the great tribulation is not great intense suffering. It's a great duration, great length of time. Mm. It's great in that sense. It's a millennium worth of suffering. Mm. Now, let's take it over. You'll do greater things than I've been doing. What if he didn't mean you'll be doing more spectacular things or or you'll be moving the presidential rangers down to A3? Maybe that's not really the point. No, that may be not the promise. But what he may be saying is, well, now uh, you're you're living William Boylan and Andrew Boylan. You're living in the 21st century. Mm. You know, think back uh, to the great things that have happened because there's been a church in the world. It wouldn't be hospitals. At least we wouldn't know there would be because they came out of the life of the church. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of our great institutions in America wouldn't be Harvard mm-hmm. or Brown or Yale. Uh, because the, the church founded those. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. When you really look at, uh, at now, are we are we perfect people? Oh, we are not. I just did a one-minute spot, Andrew, uh, for uh, one of these weeks, and I, I said, if American exceptionalism means that we're an exceptional type of people, uh, forget it. We are sinners saved by grace. We need to repent all the time. There's plenty of black marks on an American scene. Mm-hmm. To deny them is silly. But, but, uh, but we are exceptional. In this sense, we took exception with the way the world ran itself. Mm. We have a government that listens to the people. Most governments just rule them. Yeah, we we have a we have a government that obeys what the people's verdict is at the, at the polling booth. 
Mm. Most uh, most of the governors of this world, uh, Caesar would never get voted into office. And if you tried, he'd shoot you before you got to the polling place. Right. Yeah. We we took exception with those governments that played God with the lives of their people. And mm. we let the people have a freedom. And and we and we sealed it in, in blood in the revolution, but we also sealed it on paper with our constitution. And people have constitutional rights. Mm. And they have rights against their own government. Yep. It's it's really a, a, a wonderful thing when you think about it. But anyway, so uh, that whole experiment that became America did not come out of left field. Right. It came out of the churches who were already voting in their pastors, who mm-hmm. were already meeting at church meetings to decide their policies, to decide how they would spend their money. Right. And so these same people who went to church were in the towns. Mm. So they voted in their selectmen. Yep. And they had town meetings, and they used a church building to have them. Yep. And they did the same thing in the towns that they did in the church. Mm-hmm. And so if you say, and you can go on and on if you really want to take that piece of subject. You look at that, and, uh, and Jesus did far greater things right. to his disciples than he did personally. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and you find this uh, it keeps expanding. I mean, there is a reason. In the grace of God, that the most Christian country on the face of the earth today, many people may think it's America. No, sir, it's Korea. Mm. And it's not North Korea, but it's South Korea. Mm. South Korea has more Christians per capita than any other place on earth. Right. So the gospel is making quite a journey. It sure is. Yeah, this is a good, yeah, this is a good spot. We have to um, take a little break here and... We want to remind people that you're listening to Signposts. Thank you for joining us. And we are can be found at PastorBoylan.com. You can find out more about our ministry there. And um, we'll see you after the break. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 